Please would you keep that passage open from John. It's on page 1082 if you've closed your Bibles. Last week uh, we kicked off our church here and we've got a focus this year which is building a community of friends. And uh, I talked about that last week. It was our focus last week. I want to talk about it again this morning and to end up with some practical ways of doing that for us. And then next week we start a brand new series on the most exciting book in the Bible. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. More of that next week. We're going to pray. Let's pray. As Kim reminded us at the beginning, we live very busy lives and often we don't have time to think, to reflect, to refocus. Father, as we take these moments to think about your word, we pray, Father, that by the work of your Spirit, you will speak deep into our hearts, that you will affect our mind our emotion, and our wills. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Building a community of friends, that's our focus for this year. And when we think about friends, I think we often, we know what that means. We have some conception of friendship. Most of us have friends. Statistics show that particularly men don't have too many deep friendships, but we do know what friendship is. And friendship is something to do with something like a shared interest. Maybe you love plane spotting. And you meet somebody else who likes plane spotting. And you have that moment that C.S. Lewis in his essay on friendship calls, you too? Because you don't meet too many people who are plane spotters, I know. It could be a shared interest. It could be that you get on along well and, and, and you're able to talk at depth. And it, it could be any number of things. So we understand about friendship. What we need to understand as a church when we're talking about building a community of friends is it comes not primarily out of a shared interest. It comes out of this remarkable statement in John chapter 15. It's the climax of Jesus' time with his followers, his disciples. And at the climax of that relationship and all the way through the time that they have spent with him, he has been training them, building them up, equipping them for what lies in front of them. And here, at the climax, just before his crucifixion, where he delivers his final addresses to them. Listen to what he says. Better still, follow it. John chapter 15 and verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, Jesus says, you're my friend. 
And building a community of friends comes out of that. It is friends of Jesus. People Jesus says, you're my friend, who build a community of friendship. It comes out of that relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the foundation. That is the model on which it is based. And so we need to understand what it means to be a friend of Jesus. Because if we don't build on that foundation, we will build badly or not at all. And so I want to say three things this morning about what it means to be a friend of Jesus, and then I'm going to say some practical things, because last week I said I would say some practical things, and I am going to say some practical things. Here's the first thing. Friendship with Jesus is unique. There is nothing like it. As I said, friendship can be based on a shared interest. You get on well. Or, or it, 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 it could be any number of things. We understand something about human friendship. And there is that sense in which the, a friendship with Jesus parallels that. But when we talk about friendship with Jesus, that word friend gets exploded beyond anything that we can ever imagine. It breaks all definitions of friendship. It is utterly unique. I've uh, been lured by my family recently into watching some episodes of The Crown. In case you don't know, The Crown is about Elizabeth, the Queen, and the episodes I saw were about when her father, George VI, dies, and she, just, she finds, of course, that she's now Queen, and, uh, and it's, it, it, that's what it's about. If you don't know who the Queen is, <laughs> talk to me afterwards. There is a moment in the first episode where Elizabeth and her husband are away in Africa and she gets the message that her father, George VI, has died and there is that realization that she is now the monarch. She's now queen. And she gets a letter from her grandmother, Queen Mary. And the letter says to her, you are and have been Elizabeth Lilibet, which was her nickname. You are still that person, but from now on, you are Elizabeth Regina, Queen. And that relationship, that status that you have as queen takes precedence over all other relationships, all of them. When Elizabeth gets back to England, she's met by her family and her mother and her sister and other members of the family, and they console one another, and then each of them in turn acknowledges her with a bow of the head, 
that she's queen. Extraordinary. Her mother bows her head in acknowledgement that her daughter is to be acknowledged as her queen. And then at the other end of the corridor, her grandmother appears, her father's mother. And she comes dressed in black because she's mourning the death of her son. And she walks slowly along this old lady. And she reaches the edge of the stairwell that lies between her and Elizabeth, and she stops. Elizabeth has moved towards her. And as the, the, the Queen Mary stops, she bows her head, and then with great physical effort, she's an old lady, she bows her knee. Imagine that. A grandmother bows her knee to her granddaughter. Why? Because Elizabeth is now Elizabeth Regina, queen. And that relationship transcends all other relationships and defines all other relationships. And that relationship of queen takes precedent over all. She is still Elizabeth but she's now something else. I use that illustration not so that you go off and watch The Crown, because it gives just the merest hint of what it means to be a friend of Jesus. It is not a friendship like any other friendship. It is not a friendship of equals. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he cares for you. Yes, you can share your deepest concerns and your deepest desires, and you can cry with him. He has given everything for you. He has given his life for you. But he is also utterly different. In chapter 13, verse 13, there's an extraordinary moment in chapter 13 where Jesus, they're about to have supper and he takes a bowl and he goes round his disciples and he washes their feet. First century feet were no less smelly than 21st century and probably worse. The person who was delegated to do that was the slave the servant. Jesus washes their feet. But he says to them, you call me Master and Lord, and that is what I am. If I, your Master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. But do you hear that opening phrase? You call me Master, Teacher, and Lord, and that is what I am. To be friends with Jesus is to be friends with the one who is the creator of the universe. He is master and Lord. 
And therefore, that relationship of friendship that we have with Him transcends all other relationships. He is utterly belong, beyond us. And yet, He says, you're my friend. You're my friend. In verse 15 of chapter 15, He says, you are my friends if you do what I command what kind of friendship is that? Your plain spotting friend. <laughs> I, I, you wouldn't, a relationship, a friendship wouldn't last very long on that kind of basis, would it? I, I mean, if it does, you need counseling. <laughs> friendship has something to do with an equality, a sharedness. This friendship is utterly different. You are my friends if you do what I command, which does not mean if you do what I command, then you can be my friends. We don't earn his friendship, but friends of Jesus because they recognize something of what they've been brought into and the nature of that relationship, do what he commands. A friendship with Jesus is utterly, utterly unique. We must never forget that. Never. But we do. Second thing. The unique basis of the friendship. I don't know how you're doing for friends, but uh, I guess most of us choose our friends, don't we? Uh, they drop into our lives in all kinds of strange ways. It may be through work. It may be because you join a club together. It may be because you, you, you know, it's the golf club and you start playing golf with somebody and um, you enjoy playing with them because you beat them. And um, you, you make friendships through circumstances. But in the end, we choose our friends. We don't choose our family but we choose our friends. And that means most of us are fairly careful about the people who are truly our friends because they don't have to be our friends. So, friendship with Jesus. My friends with John and Bill and Mary and Fred and Adrian and Alice. Oh, and I count Jesus amongst my friends. There he is. I have a list of all my friends. And Jesus is there. Isn't that marvelous? I could put them out on the mantelpiece if I had one. I, I, I could line them up. Have this catalogue of friends. It's not like that. It's not like that. You notice what Jesus says in verse 16? Have a look at it. You didn't choose me. I chose you. There is no reason on earth why Jesus would want to be our friends other than that he chooses. There's nothing that we can add to him. It's not as if we can have some shared interest and we will somehow enhance his life. Jesus does not wake up in the morning in a sense and say, wow, it makes my day to know that Graham is my friend. You know, I feel that the day is going to go so much better for me. 
Remember, it's a unique relationship. He has chosen us. And that is so liberating and so amazing and so wonderful. Because it means that friendship with Jesus has nothing whatsoever to do with our performance. Jesus does not say to somebody, if you clean your life up sufficiently, then you'll be good enough to be my friend. He embraces you as you are. He embraces me as I am with all my history, all that tawdriness, all the lives I've messed up, all my messed upness. He takes that as I am and says, you're my friend. You're my friend. And therefore, amongst friends of Jesus, there ought to be a sense of joy and liberation and freedom Because Jesus has said, you're my friend, even though I am so messed up, even though I left to myself and turned against him. Because that is our condition. And he says, you're my friend. And therefore, friends of Jesus should have, they, they should be characterized by humility and gratitude and joy and a desire to express their love. Do you see where the obedience comes from? It comes out of love. It comes out of the fact that he said, you're my friend. Not obedience in order to become his friend, but obedience because he is my friend. A unique, the unique nature of the relationship the unique basis of that relationship, and thirdly, the unique purpose of the relationship. Why do you have friends? Well, if it's because you share an interest, the purpose of that friendship is that you can talk about planes together, or coffee, or wine, or football, or soccer, or whatever it is, shopping. (laughs) We have a shared interest in shopping. What's the purpose of a friendship with Jesus? Is it to enhance your life? Is it to give you joy and peace and fulfillment? To give you a sense that you get up in the morning and say, I'm a friend of Jesus. I feel so much better. I have such peace and joy. Well, yes. But it's not about you. It is not about us. Look at what he says there in verse 16. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. If we have a view of a friendship with Jesus that's all about me, we have completely misunderstood our best misunderstood what it's about. It is not about you or me. It is because out of that relationship, he will turn us into the person that God made us to be. And he will give us peace and joy and fulfillment and all those things. And we will spend eternity in the new creation. He does love us. But he calls us for a 
purpose. And what does that mean? It means that we are to demonstrate the characteristics of Jesus and above all, the characteristic of love. Verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. How are we to love each other as Christ loves us? Well, at one level, it's really simple. You give up your life for other people. The purpose of being a friend of Jesus is that somebody else will be better off, blessed, because of you, whatever sacrifices that involves. That's how it works. So that at the end of your life, you can look back and say, whatever else you've achieved, some people's lives have been changed because God used me as I gave of myself for them. And of course, the greatest thing that can happen to somebody is that because of your self-sacrificial love for them, your service of them, they come to know and to experience Jesus as their friend. We are called for a purpose to give our lives for the sake of others. So three things. Relationship with Jesus as friend is unique. We must never trivialize it. Never reduce it to the mundane and the ordinary. Never toy with it. It has a unique basis. It's not because you were nice and good or good enough. He chose you. And there's a unique purpose. Three things that need to be the basis on which we build a community of friends. Now for some practical things. How might we go about doing this and doing it better? Number one, in verse 4, notice what Jesus says. He's using, using a, an agricultural metaphor. He's talking about the vine, horticultural. And verse 4, he says, remain in me and I remain in you. If we're going to build a community of friends, then we individually and corporately need to remain in Jesus. We need to be connected with him that needs to be the foundation. How do you do that? Well, at that point, I think we do what so often I've mentioned. I think we all get super spiritual. <sighs> connected with Jesus. <sighs> How do you get connected and better connected with your friends? You go into your a private room first thing in the morning and you think about your friendship. Don't you? That's how you do it. And you reflect on the conversations you've had. And you replay them in your mind. And you visualize things that you've done together. Wasn't it wonderful watching that dreamliner when it arrived at Sydney Airport? Oh. That's not how you connect with your friends, is it? It's a good thing to do. It's a nice thing to do. Reflect on memories. Look at videos that you've made together. The way that you connect with your friends is spending time with your friends. How do we connect with Jesus? Because you can't see him. The first and most important way, that, the indispensable way in which we connect with Jesus is by connecting with each other. 
That's how we do it. That is foundational. Christianity is fundamentally corporate before anything else. Yes, it's a work of the Spirit, but it's, it's then corporate. We're called into relationship with one another. We are, to use a different metaphor from friends, we are the body of Christ. No one is meant to do the Christian life on their own. The primary unit is not the individual, it is the church. It is the community of Jesus Christ. So if you want to be connected with God, you need to be connected with other friends. Friends of Jesus. So, here's some practical things. Keep Sundays a priority. Because, you see, we need to spend time connecting with each other in prayer and worship and around God's word in encouraging one another. That's one of the key things that is key to what we do on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Keep Sundays a priority. And if you've got children, keep it a priority for your children because there are all kinds of distractions. If you want them to be connected with God, you need them to be connected with God's people. Join a connect group. We're having a big push on connect groups this year. Connect groups are our small groups where people study the Bible, worship together, do life together. No one should do the Christian life on their own. If you're not in a connect group, there's a sign-up sheet. And so, so I want to encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, not in one of these small groups, or want to find out more, please sign up. There's information about just giving your details and then what day might be good for you. If you just want more information, say, I'd like more information. We're going to be praying particularly for our Connect Group leaders next week as we launch our Ecclesiastes series, which is what our small groups are going to be doing, which is the most exciting book in the Bible. Join a Connect Group and then spend time with God alone, reading the Bible, praying. Here's, here's, here's a challenge for you. How about this? 2018, how about setting yourself the goal for reading the Bible for 15 minutes a day. Just 15 minutes? 15 minutes? I mean, how many adverts is that? <laughs> 15 minutes. Pray. I meet with other people to pray. Tony McLennan runs a, a prayer group, which I'll say a little bit more later on, but meet with other people to Pray. Read the Bible, pray. Join a prayer triplet. So that's the first thing. Connect with God. Second thing, I've only got two things. So connect with God, connect with Jesus. Number two, invest in people. Invest in people. It sounds like an address from a CEO, doesn't it? Invest in people. Our company, we invest in people. How do we invest in people? Remember, love one another as I have loved you. What is the Christian life about? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two are inextricably linked. Invest in people. How can you do that? Well, in this community, here are two ways you can invest in people. Number one is to pray. We just had a prayer week. It's been really encouraging to go into the prayer room and on the morning. I've been doing some morning sessions and, and then see people turn up and then seeing people 
praying during the day, and then there was a youth prayer night on Thursday, and we had our prayer time on Wednesday evening, really encouraging for people to pray. If you want to invest in people, first thing we need to do is to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for our church community. Pray for this community of friends. Pray, and secondly, serve. Serve one another. How do you do that? Use your gifts. Use your gifts. Use your resources, your time, and your money. When we give money, we are serving other people, serving one another. So invest in people in St. Stephen's and invest beyond. And I've got, I've got three quick things for that, how you can invest beyond. The uh, first one is pray. Now, at the end of the service this morning, there are going to be these wonderful little yellow cards. And you'll notice it says prayer card, and then it says 2018 building a community of friends, and then it's got five blank spaces. <gasps> Here's the challenge for you. What I'd like everybody to do is take one of these cards. You can pick them up on the way out. There'll be people there to give them to you. Don't be embarrassed. If you don't want one, you don't have to take one. No pressure. It's all grace. But I'd encourage you to take one. And then write down the names of five people you will pray for this year that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they become friends of Jesus. Could you do that? Five people? Pray for them. Pray for them every day. Make them one of those numbers on the dice, and every time you've got a spare few minutes, you throw a dice, and number one for yourself and the others for them, something like that. Five people you will pray for. Could you do that? Second thing. I don't know how brave to be on this. Two people. Two people that you will speak to this year about Jesus. Two people. Could you do that? Maybe say something about your experience. Share something of yourself. Share something of Jesus, what he means to you. Don't worry if you stumble over the words. Could you do that? I guarantee if you pray for an opportunity to do that, God will give you a chance to do it. I, re I remember on one occasion, I remember on one occasion, I, um, I'd been, uh, we'd been talking as a church about, about praying for people, and, um, or rather I was about to enthuse people about praying for people and then speaking to them about Jesus, and particularly about speaking to them about Jesus. Um, and um, I, I was um, driving off to have my hair cut. And uh, the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me and said, Graham, you haven't spoken to anybody very recently, have you? So you're going to stand up in front of all those people and, then to, and tell them about speaking about Jesus. Uh, your record's not too good, is it? So I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm a minister. I just speak to people all the time. He didn't seem terribly convinced. Um, and uh, he said, you're going to say, the Holy Spirit, it seemed to me, was prompted me and said, you're going to encourage people to pray and then God will do something. And so I said, uh, yeah, that's right. He said, well, how about you do it? So I said, I'm going to have my hair cut. 
I don't want to talk to anybody when I have my hair cut. It's the last thing I want to do. Anyway, I, I prayed, and um, for the first time, <laughs> my hairdresser threw out some question, and I got a chance to talk to them about Jesus, and I thought, maybe I should do this more often. <laughs> maybe. So how about two people, if you pray three? If you're up to Tony's level, it's five, I think. Pray for five people. Do join Tony's group. They meet together on Sundays at the moment, Sunday morning, to pray specifically for people who don't know Christ. Pray, speak, and then lastly, invite five people. That's the easy bit, isn't it? Invite five people. Invite five people, it might be to our Easter services. We're going to be talking about Jesus and his death and resurrection. Great opportunity to invite people. Invite people to the Alpha course, which is coming up after that. Invite people to other things that we'll put on. But how about over the course of this year, you will commit yourself to invite five people to church. By and large, people come to church and certainly come to faith because there's been some kind of personal connection and personal invitation. So, pray, speak, invite. How does that sound? Doable? We want to build a community of friends because we are friends of Jesus. He has called us friends. That's amazing. That is life-transforming. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would pour out your spirit on us. Spirit of joy, a spirit of confidence, a spirit of love for you and love for our neighbor. And Father, may we as a community be a true community of friends of Jesus. We love each other because we're friends of Jesus. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.